People are actually losing their homes and asking to rent in our apartments. The biggest obstacle is, of course, lack of funds. We think we've helped 58,000 people. We're constantly having a greater demand for affordable housing. Welcome to the Affordable Housing Podcast, brought to you by Eden Housing. Rick Holiday is unquestionably a pioneer in affordable housing construction. In 1978, he helped create Eden Housing. In the early 80s, he and visionary housing leader Don Turner established Bridge Housing. In 1989, he launched Holiday Development. And today, Rick is founder and CEO of Factory OS, with the goal of easing the housing challenge by scaling the off-site production of multifamily housing. Hi, I'm Joanne Green, and on this episode of the Affordable Housing Podcast, brought to you by Eden Housing, we hear from Rick Holiday about Factory OS. Simply stated, we need more housing for less money. We only have a certain amount of resource that we can devote to housing as a country, and it's never enough. And the need has only exploded more in the 40 years of affordable housing. What's frustrating is it feels like we're on a hamster wheel that we're not keeping up with. Why is that? Why is that? Because we have more jobs created than housing. It's really not a complicated problem. If you look at just even the last, I think, two years, we've added a half a million jobs in the Bay Area. It's, there's these metrics. It's like, and we've added 20,000 apartments. Why is it so expensive to build housing? Uh, a lot of it is we don't have enough land that we're willing to devote to it from a public policy standpoint. So there's more and more uh, difficulty getting housing approved. There is, we have a shrinking labor force that's driving the costs up. And I think those are the two most significant, is, is that generally people don't want more congestion. The, the irony that I've always sort of tried to figure out in my head is, when you read in the paper, um, uh, Google to add 200 jobs in, you know, I don't know, Emeryville. Everybody goes, great. Generally people kind of go, that's good. You know, good Where pay. are those people gonna live? But nobody goes, well, those 200 people are going to be really influencing a housing market that's already overheated. So, yeah, where's the housing? Well, then if you look very selfishly, including myself, my house has doubled in value in Berkeley in the last 15 years, and I did nothing other than watch that we didn't build very much housing. And there was just more people chasing the housing. So we all are somewhat complicit because our retirements are tied up. You know, you can pick up your, you know, Jesus, Bob's house across the street sold for 2.4 million, you know? Well, you don't have to be a jerk to feel good about that, but at the same time realize your kids don't have a chance of living anywhere near you if it keeps going. And I think we've been in that, we've been stuck in that conundrum. So you're building modular housing. Is this for affordable housing? Is this for all kinds of housing? For all kinds. Um, A a lot of the the motivation is, you know, uh, when I left Eden, of course, I I was engaged in starting Bridge, and then I was on the Bridge Board. I chaired the Bridge Board up until about a year and a half ago. And the same issues that were going on at Eden, it was just the costs were exploding. Jump up and down, ask the staff, what are they doing? They're going to get them down. And they... They didn't have good answers, and they were preoccupied trying to get entitlements and get more f- loans and monies. And So anyway, I got somewhat frustrated by that, and I thought, you know, maybe it's going to take an outside effort. Uh, 
and I could see it in my own private work that construction costs were, were just running out of sight. So both for a market rate development perspective and an affordable housing perspective, I felt like I want to take this on. And then I got a big sort of encouragement boost from Google through a guy named John Igo, who was the project manager on Summerwood at Eden Housing when we did the Lincoln Property Project in 1979. And now he's head of real estate for Google? Mm -hmm. And what was that boost? John called and he visited a project that we were doing out in San Francisco uh, early 2016, two years ago, and uh, looked at it and said, I think this is the future. The housing was being built in Sacramento and being brought to San Francisco, so it's off-site, all the same materials. We had made a relationship with the Carpenters Union, which Ed Lee had strongly suggested. And uh, Ed had a huge enthusiasm for the factory. Uh, and sadly, we lost him last December, but he, he was uh, actively working to navigate uh, San Francisco to a point where they would take on industrialized construction because he's, he's an engineer by training. Describe where we are. We're in Vallejo on Mare Island, and it's a very exciting place to operate and own a business because it's uh, accessible by ferry. Uh, Being on a water is good for a business because we can actually deliver modules by boat. We're we're close enough to the Bay Area because we're a one-hour ferry trip from San Francisco. Uh, We're near a labor force that's very accessible, that's underemployed. And which prior to this had been traveling two hours to construction sites, right? Two each way, Uh, and we're on we're on a base where you just feel sort of almost the ghosts of this building. Uh, They built ships here. We had to win World War II after Pearl Harbor. You know, we obviously none of us were alive, but we've heard the stories. But I've had workers walking here; they're eighty-five and ninety that tell me how they built a ship in seventeen days because they had to. And if you look at the housing problem, it's not quite as dramatic, but it feels that way at times. And so we've told the workers. It is for the homeless people. It is exactly right. Well put. And so I think that there's a certain urgency and, uh, and energy you feel that comes out of the building that's powerful. Uh, it, it hit me when I walked in. I went, whoa. <laughs> it was big. <laughs> so, And it's powerful. Uh, the building itself is... Three football fields long, 900 feet, one football field wide, about 100 yards, and it's 260,000 square feet of area. It, it uh, climbs 10 stories where the periscopes were made, where we're going to have our innovation center, and the light in it, the natural light is, stack, is spectacular. Uh, it, it, it's the kind of place that you feel like you want to work. If you go into a lot of uh, manufacturing facilities, they're what you and I might call tilt-ups with fluorescent lighting and maybe some skylights. Not very many windows, right? uh, That's the way manufacturing buildings are built. So imagine going to this building versus that uh, and being able to take the ferry to work, perhaps, if you wanted to. Uh, We're going to have ferry service from Oakland. And uh, Google may be providing buses for young workers in East Bay uh, from West Oakland and Richmond to be able to come up and uh, attain better jobs. So, because it's only a 30 minute drive. Ironically, the building found me. I didn't find it. Uh, the uh, the labor union uh, folks that when we were starting to work with them, 
uh, I was focusing on West Oakland. I was trying to do it near the Oakland train station, and I had a building in mind. I was getting close about a year ago, and then uh, they called me and said, you should go up to Vallejo, and I was dismissive at first. I went, what do I want to go up there for? I walked in the building and realized it was a good move. You have a relationship with the Carpenters Union. What about all the other unions, all the other tradesmen? The other tradesmen generally are wary, I would say, to be honest. Um, You've cut them out. Yes and no. I think that the way we've tried to view it is that we've hit a crisis point where almost no projects are working and we're going to see a complete evaporation of work at some point. And the site work that is done uh, still represents about 50% of the cost of the building. So if you're a plumber, you need to bring the, the plumbing from connect the building and do all the stuff at the, at the site. So there's plumbing jobs, there's electrical jobs. They're, they're structured differently on site than they are now. The work here, though, is different, and, and we don't have electricians. We have housing assemblers uh, that are union. So we have a single union that basically works cross-trade. And they're doing the plumbing and the electrical mm-hmm. all here? And I think that ultimately some of the unions that are starting to warm to us that we're wary are realizing they're having a hard time training and recruiting workers. So I think workers that are working here could easily become electricians or plumbers because can be cross-trained. They could become general contractors. Uh, we, we don't think our workers here will likely stay more than five or eight years because at some point, you know, you learn a lot about how a house is built. Uh, we're going to offer a fair amount of training to workers that want to advance themselves, and we want to see them grow as well. So if, if we helped feed the industry workers where I think they're having a hard time recruiting and training their workers, then I think it's, 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 it's symbiotic. Um, so if you take it from one, the negative, I don't think there's going to be much of any housing built, for one. If we get a lot, if we find a way to crack the code and build a lot more housing, there'll be a lot more site work that involves their trades. And three, I do think that we can create a labor force and feed it uh, effectively, which will be good for them. Factory OS, the OS stands for offsite. What is the advantage of building homes offsite? Um, primary is you can control the process very effectively because you have stations where you do work and move the unit to the another station. And in 25 stations, not unlike a car assembly, you build an entire house. And you can do it easily twice as fast as site building and probably for half the cost. And you get better quality easily. You'll, you'll see in the factory here, the wood's dry, it stays dry. If you walk any construction site in the Bay Area, it's usually over a two-year period. Well, it rains. So imagine, you know, you go to a construction site, they can't stop sheetrocking when it's raining. And it'll get wet. And they got to go back to work. But it doesn't always dry all the way out, particularly the wood. So wood shrinks and contracts with moisture. So you get much more cracking, nail popping, all kinds of things because you build through the the seasons. So if you imagine, if you build it here... Climate controlled. Completely climate controlled, you're going to get a better unit that will perform better. How much faster are you building here in the factory versus on site? Right now we're doing it twice as fast. I think we can do it probably four times as fast, once we get good at it. Uh, it's exciting. 
Um, you know, part of that. So that's is a cost a, savings. It's a huge cost savings. And part of that is, you know, the site building just continues to take longer, which makes us look better. When, when we first uh, opened, you know, actually, you know, got started about a year ago, we said we're 40% faster, which we were based on what we'd done. We're easily 50% faster now because it's taking longer to site build. When I think of modular housing being created in a factory, and again, talking about someone totally ignorant of the industry, I think, well, they must be kind of prefab, low-end, cheap housing. It's not. No. It's, um, the reality is a lot of hotel rooms and luxury hotels in Europe are being built um, in factories. There's a very, very uh, well-known company in Poland doing the highest-end hotels in the world. So you can put a wolf range and just as easy as you can put in a, a lousy electric uh, uh, cooktop, right? You can put a sub-zero refrigerator in just as easy as you can put an inexpensive refrigerator. You can put better tiling down. You can put better light fixtures in. So if you imagine sheetrock and wood make up even the million-dollar home as it makes up the affordable home. So the base elements that go into a building are the same it's more finishes. And I think once, once that becomes clear, it's just a matter of getting your ability to tool the factory to change its finished packages and to offer some, uh, I think there's gonna be a drive to get people to accept a more standardized one bedroom apartment. So in my ideal world, we might have five really good one bedrooms, let's say five studios, five twos or something. And I liken it more to um, Eichler homes. You may know something about them, but Eichler was the last really, in my opinion, was the last builder that built middle-class housing really well. And Eichler just basically built an L that went this way and an L that went that way. And those puppies are selling for a million and a half and now. now. They're, yeah, but I mean, it was a really simple concept. And you kind of, the Eichler kitchen was, they didn't offer a lot of, you know, it was like three things, right? And... He just figured how to build a great patio home is what people needed. I think millennials want to live in, actually they prefer higher density if it's done well. They prefer being available, uh, access to transit. So the trick is build smaller units with good community spaces in places that are, have restaurants and activities that are walkable. That's nice really landscaping. Less landscaping. So, so that's ideally suited to what we want to build here. Uh, so we think that where the market is and where its need is, is higher density uh, transit focused development that um, is, is, a, is affordable. You so know. what are you working on here now? We're working on our first project that's just coming off the line is 102 apartments that will go into West Oakland that will be two bedroom, one bath and the studio apartments for people that are formerly homeless that will have gone through. They won't be coming directly off the street Usually people that are on the street need to go into a transitional situation for maybe as much as a year to get a lot of things organized. But the problem with the transitional housing places is they're backed up because there's no place to move them to. So Mayor Schaaf called me about a year ago and said... Can That's you... the Oakland mayor. Yeah, sorry. Uh, about a year ago and said, we're active in West Oakland. She said, we'd really like to see if you could uh, help us here. So I went and found a site and I said, I'm starting this factory. I'll put it as my first project on the line. So that's what we did. So this is being paid for by the city of Oakland? Um, indirectly, the, there's, 
It's like a lot of affordable projects. The client ultimately is Ibaltsy, not unlike Eden. Uh, they were just here a few minutes ago. Uh, they will be the basically the buyers of a finished project. It's like a turnkey. Uh, and they will be getting their funding from Oakland, Alameda County, tax credits. It's like anything that you know is done in the affordable world. It's, a, let's say, it's basically a layer cake of public monies. The thing that w is exciting is their layer cake will probably be half of what it was or less than if they had done it conventionally. So is it your sense, I'm sure it's your hope, that affordable housing developers will absolutely take advantage of this opportunity and really be able to move more quickly, be more agile, complete projects at a faster rate? Yeah. No, we, we hope, uh, in fact, yes, we, we hope that we're relevant to all affordable housing projects and uh, it and provide a lot of our output to them. Um, we've recently had a, an outreach from um, Georgia Pacific and Owens Corning that heard we were building supportive housing and they want sort of corporate branding opportunities. So they've offered to sell us wood and uh, sheetrock and insulation at or below cost, which is a huge potential savings. But then we'll put a little Owens Corning or Georgia Pacific sticker on the units. And for affordable apartments, they may either bring that forward or have a slight markup and the way the factory will work for homeless or for affordable being basically a really simple model. It's going to be transparent. I'll show everybody all my costs. People know my labor metrics, my overhead metrics, and we have to have a markup of 20%, I'm told, to have a sustainable business. So people will get the benefit of the material reduction. <laughs> so if we build affordable housing and we we get material suppliers to engage, we'll drive those costs down a lot. And, and I think we're just nibbling around the edges there. And um, if we get the, if we start using tooling and machining more effectively, we can get it built. The labor side can get more efficient. So we've had Black and Decker come to us and say, we've got some really exciting tooling things that can help your workers get more productive. We may experiment and give you tools to try to work with them. So we're getting private business to, because I think what's happened is anybody that lives in the Barry and sees all the tents and the misery, you can't, it's, it's, it's really hard to stomach, you know? Uh, and so I think people want to engage. And I think we can find ways for them to engage. And do like so many great ideas, Rick, we, we hear about it and we go, well, that's obvious. Why yeah. didn't anybody do it before? <laughs> right. Why didn't anybody do this before? High barrier of entry. Um, there's, uh, it's hard to build a pipeline. That You have uh, labor issues. Um, a lot of people don't want it to work. To your point uh, about even the, the w w you could perceive we're taking jobs away. Um, if you're an architect or engineer, building inspector, a lot of those jobs are going to be changed. We're a disruptor. You know, I hate that word in some regards, but it's an industry that's ripe for disruption. So there's a, you get death of a thousand paper cuts. Uh, so some, the, the woman who ran Zeta, who did our first project that I was mentioning to earlier, Na The Sacramento-based Yeah, firm. Naomi. She, she, she's, and she, and she raised venture capital that I consider was kind of what I call hot money, where everybody's breathing out her back. You know, how many units? How many units? And it, it's not a business that's, that's well-suited to hot money. You have to have patient uh, people 
So one of, one of the things that I did when I decided I'd take this on is uh, you met one of my first investors just a minute ago. He uh, plunked down a million bucks and said, I trust you. I, I trust you'll give me a decent return, um, and I'm here to help. And uh, from there, somebody else you may know, Tom Hale from Backroads Bicycle. He and I went to high school. Tom came in. So I, I got 10 people, and it was sort of a million-dollar uh, investment. And they're all pretty smart. That speaks done to well. your track record. Well, thank you. Yeah, so some of them are bankers. And so I said, you know, if you want to engage, make this investment. Um, I'm not taking any salary, nor is Larry, until we, we get it off the ground and it's working. But um, the power of getting people organized around the idea is, is exciting. Larry's your partner, and he's a construction guy. Yeah, Larry, that's critical. I mean, Who initially said no way. He said, no way. What he did was um, he knew all of the problems that we were going to face. The beauty of Larry is we got through them. He's now built four projects using what we call off-site construction. He's set over 1,000 mods, which is a very complicated process setting these things. They're 50,000 pounds. A lot can go wrong. So he's learned how to do that better than anybody. He's designed even rigging that's probably uh, patentable uh, What sold Larry on the fact that this would work? You'll have to ask Larry, but I think Larry, I'll be honest, I really think Larry had confidence in me as a person, and I had confidence in him. I would never have taken it on. When you see the floor, I don't have any of the talents that are required to do that out there. He does. I have the talents to do the organizational, the idea, getting the market together, organizing the capital. We have a very exciting relationship with UC Berkeley that you know I'll give you half a minute on if you want, where... We've created the Turner Center for Affordable Housing at Berkeley. In memory of Don Aptly Turner. named after Don Turner. And um, the current chair of that program at Berkeley is Carol Galante, who had gone to work for President Obama for eight years running FHA. So Carol's come back and headed that up. And um, uh, very uh, poignant is my grandson is named Turner King after Don. You know, a little pat, pat, pat. Um, and... So, but the Berkeley has got a very, very um, enterprising program with engineers, architects, and people that are trying to find basically patentable ideas. So one of my favorite uh, sort of anecdotes is, is if you know how do you frame a floor, it's called, there's something called a joist hanger. All it is is a U-shaped piece of metal, and you drop a floor joist in it so it stands straight and you can nail it. Used to be when I built my house, on Las Romas, we were sitting there, we'd hold the joist, and if you hammered it, you didn't get it right, it'd get a little cockeyed. Somebody came along, and his name was Simpson. They created the Simpson Joist Hanger. That's a billion-dollar company. That's just when he went, geez, I would think it'd be a good idea if we did this, right? Well, imagine if I've got some, somebody from Berkeley or somewhere, Stanford, right, out there going, well, has anybody thought about this, right? So we're, we're starting an innovation center that I'll actually take you to if you have a minute because it's up where they made the periscopes. It's 10 stories up. It's like the clock tower penthouse. And we've got a donor that will likely do the tenant improvements and we'll have classes. UC Berkeley will have uh, classes out here. We'll have seminars for nonprofits so the whole Eden board could come out, for example. They said, we really need to understand this better. We've heard all these negatives. You could have a luncheon. People come out, walk the floor. ULI can have meetings, uh, AIA architects, 
engineers because San Francisco attracts basically all these world conferences, correct? Mare Island's got a ferry stop now an hour from the San Francisco uh, ferry building and there's one on Mare Island three blocks down. So what I want is to have this um, center up there and if you go to a conference, oftentimes there's a half day, uh, you know, uh, uh, field trips you can take, right? You can go tour projects or whatever. So if you imagine, well, what's up with off-site construction? You can get on a boat, come out here, I give you an hour, rata, rata, rata. Uh, you go up, have lunch, and you go back to Germany, Sweden, Australia, Singapore, and that we create a very, very rich collaborative process. Because if we don't industrialize the way we build housing, we're <laughs> They've been doing this. That's in what Europe. McKinsey said, by the way. There's a McKinsey study that's sort of the the foundational thing when I talk to investors, which said it in 2014 before I got into this. And they looked at the world and they said, if we don't figure out how to industrialize housing, we're screwed. So there we are. They've been doing this in Europe for a while, right? Yeah. They've been doing it in Europe for about 40, 50 years with much greater, you know, said that they have a lot of depth of experience that we don't. So. We're working closely with the best companies right now are generally in Sweden. It's kind of the IKEA of modular housing is a company called Lindbax. And uh, Carol, through the Turner Center, wrote him a letter and explained what we're doing, explained our history at Eden. And they, we wanted to come visit them. And they said, I'll tell you what, why don't we come visit you first? So they came over about nine months ago and spent a week with us brought their whole management team because they wanted to get out of, out of their own cocoon. And they were in the process of opening a brand new factory that's cost 50 million bucks with all this machining and robotics and all this stuff. So Nancy and I went and visited that factory. Nancy's it, his wife. Yeah, sorry. About three months ago and Larry and Carol are going to go in the fall. So we're trying to set up a really rich collaboration because we got to do, we don't have a lot of time to learn. We've got to take the collective wisdom, whatever it is, of, of, of this business and roll it up fast. And you're not getting any younger, Rick. So where is this going to be when you retire? Um, I don't know. That's a really good question. I think that I think this, this business will, will be established enough that it will be considered... Successful is maybe the wrong word, but at least sustainable more important than anything, it'll be a sustaining business within 18 months. Once you get a cash flow and you've proven concept, um, I think uh, very few companies have been able to do that. Then I think the demand's so big, the question is then, how do you grow it? And I think there's probably somebody that has different talents than me that can do that. But I would, I'd say I'm going to do this for five years, if I was just guessing. You're the uh, innovator. Um, yeah, I mean, this is my fourth startup, uh, Eden being my first, right? Bridge being my second, Holiday Development being my third. Um, so this is my fourth. It's prob- Nancy says this is my last. <laughs> so, Nancy, oh, by the way, the, the, the OS is off-site. The secondary and actually as important or more important is operating system. We really are working on a very, very sophisticated computer operating system where drawings will get converted to instructions to workers. And that's a whole thing that we think we can do in the next year. And that's a software platform that'll run the factory. The third is open source, 
which Larry would bitch slap me. And he says, no, bro, if we created this, we've got to capture the value. And I've been saying, well, I think we should share it. We'll find the right balance. It, we won't be naive, but we're going to be somewhat forthright with how to do this because it's not rocket science. The last and most important is Nancy's is oh, shit. So there's four reasons for the OS. Offsite, operating system, open source, and oh, shit. This could create a sea change. It, I think it might. You know, and that's, the irony is the thing with John, I go at Google. Uh, he was the person I worked with on, at, from the Eden Housing Job, Summerwood. And that was uh, 40 years ago. All things come full circle. Yeah. We wish you the very best of luck. Rick Holiday, CEO of Factory OS, is pioneering a new approach to housing construction, integrating the design and build processes powered by local union labor and cutting-edge research and innovation. To learn more about Factory OS, visit factoryos.com. To hear more about the early days of Rick's career, check out the podcast Stories from Eden Housing at EdenHousing.org.